podcast world. What's up, Chad Belding? This life ain't for everybody. Thank y'all so much for taking the time out of your day. Whether it's on your Beats headphones on a plane or on your car stereo or in your kitchen on your Deemer box while you're cooking up some wild game, listening to our podcast right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody, our sister podcast, The Foul Life. We have several new podcast titles and hosts launching soon under the This Life Ain't For Everybody umbrella. We're so excited about that. Today, we're coming at you from spring training 2020, Phoenix, Arizona, specifically Scottsdale. And we got bad news when we got off the plane today. Spring training was canceled and it was due to the coronavirus. At the same time, NCAA tournaments, soccer games, uh, all of the hockey season, the NBA season, everything is being canceled. Coachella, South by Southwest. We don't know what's going on. For some reason today, Thursday, March 12th, things got bad and they started canceling a lot of things. And my guest today makes his living. He gets his paycheck from Major League Baseball, specifically the Los Angeles Dodgers. His name is Caleb Ferguson. He's a pitcher. He's a badass. He's also a hunter and a fisherman and an outdoorsman. What's going on, brother? Doing good. How how about yourself? You don't like when people call you, like brag about you? No, no, I don't. I try to stay off that train, but on a scale from one to 10, how intimidated were you by John's arms? (laughs) (laughs) Be honest. (laughs) Um, When you walked in, did you think I had a bodyguard? You know, obviously he's, he's, he's got some biceps there. Right. And then he told me he was a fighter. Um, and then I realized I was sitting next to him. (laughs) So (laughs) kind of had to be careful with what I said. You just got to stay quiet. Well, you, that's one of those guys you want, like coming out of the bullpen. If you beam somebody in the air hole and they decide to run after. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see, I want to get to this, what happened today in a second. We ought to start with that. How messed up is this? Like you're, you're told me you're having the best spring of your career so far. You've been in the league. You were drafted out of high school in 2014, Tommy John surgery injuries. Here we are three years into your career, really, and you're in the majors. Yeah. You spent about a month and a half in the majors last year. You're looking good at starting in Dodger Stadium this year, and this happens. They automatically push it back at least two weeks for opening day. What was the aura like? What was the vibe like in the clubhouse? You know, right now we, we made a lot of cuts. Um, so a lot of the minor league guys and a lot of everything else that that's happened – Really, the guys that are in the clubhouse now are almost sure big leaguers. Uh, there's a couple, you know, fringe roster spots that a couple guys like myself are fighting for. Um, you know, so a lot of guys are, oh, cool, whatever, you know, push the season back, not going to play 162 games, um, and then we'll win a World Series, and everybody will say, oh, you guys won a World Series because you didn't play 162 games. So a lot of guys saying, you know, kind of whatever about it, like, I, I understand where they're at because a lot of those guys have kids and that's really why they're they're more uh I guess focused on getting this thing fixed before their kids get it or their parents get it where for me it's like hey man let's just let's just keep playing baseball here you know I got I got some things I got to pay on I'm trying to make the team like let's just keep playing baseball right uh so the vibes kind of kind of crazy honestly I mean a lot of guys are like you know glad that we're we're doing this, but at the end of the day, it's the flu. <laughs> it, it, it is. You know, it, so. It, it, and it's one of those things to where you think about this time of year in this part of the country and how special it is. And it goes on in Florida, too. And I I haven't been to Florida spring training in a long time, but I don't think it's anywhere near as cool as, as, as this area as far as the crowd and the participation and the vibe goes. And it might be the way that, that you know, Phoenix and its surrounding areas are, are laid out. But I think that 
people come here because it's the relaxation, it's the camaraderie, it's the, um, you know, the association with the team and getting to be pretty close. I mean, you're watching major league stars from 30 feet or hundred feet as a, you know, as a regular season, you could be upper deck and you're a long ways looking through binoculars. This is so intimate. And I think the intimacy and the vibe and the camaraderie and just that cold beer on a 90 degree Phoenix day when it's hot and you're sweating no matter what. And then you're like literally within an hour drive of the top teams, you know, in in a lot of the different divisions in baseball. Obviously, the Dodgers are in the running for the World Series. Right. I don't know what happens every year, but yeah. the NL West, you guys are winning the division every year, and you guys are right here. And you got the Diamondbacks, you got the Giants, you got the Padres, you got a lot of top athletes. The Brewers are in Arizona. You got one of the top players in the game with Yelich being there. So I think people are just, there was a lot of letdown today. Myself, John Kerry, who we'll introduce in a second, he comes to spring training with us every year. And it's just like, damn it, man. And I can't imagine, you know, as a player and you're getting ready to roll, it's easy to think, Oh my God, we got a snow day. We don't have school tomorrow. Oh man, something happened. I don't have to go to clock in tomorrow and work my job at the factory. You're a freaking major league baseball player. And I know that there's ups and downs and peaks and valleys and, and that it's a job, but come on, dude, there ain't no better feeling in the world than walking out onto the second deck of a major league baseball stadium and seeing that diamond and seeing that field and going, man, this is America. So to make your living in it and then to be let down like this, it's not, it's not a pity party. It just sucks because this time of the year is so special. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit harder now, too, because, you know, you're right at the end of spring training. There's, we got roughly a week left before everybody's going to L.A. and settling in their places for the year. And spring training's a grind. It really is. I mean, you're, you're at the field at 7 and, and get home at, depending on how quick the game is, 3, 4, 5 o'clock. And then you might have a night game, you know, that starts at 6. You're getting home at 10, 30, 11. And then you got to be back at the field at 6, 30 that morning to to get breakfast. So, Spring training's a grind, and when you're this close and now they shut it down and they're pushing the season back at least two weeks right now for what we know, it's – I mean, it's like – It's like ice in the kicker in yeah, football. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Are you, are you it totally, really is. I mean, yeah. it's it's just – it sucks. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the best way to put it is that it sucks. Yeah, you're kind of peaking, and you're just getting ready to amp up and go to the season. You're exactly. as, as athletes, we peak. We're getting ready for events, and then – all of a sudden to turn cold right when you're peaking that's got to be rough on you rough on the psyche yeah, rough, on the, you do, rough on the body yeah i mean you you literally all off season long for five months everything you do is to get ready for the season and now you don't know when your season's going to start yeah. so it's it's you you work so hard for five six seven months get ready and, and go through all this spring training stuff and get ready for your season and now you don't know when it's going to start yeah, and there's a lot of things, you know, think about being the Nationals right now and you're getting ready to go back and get your ring and right. all the all the fans are going to be there in D.C. And like they're like, oh, man, it's like telling a kid trick or treating time and then say, no, you can't. You're, you're going to get sick if you go out there tonight. You got to wait another week. And they just spent two hours putting their makeup on and getting done in their costume. It sucks. And it's like I've had so many memories built just out of spring training, let alone the regular season of being around major league baseball. And then you look at what's going on across the country. It's not just baseball. I mean, they canceled the NCAA March madness. They canceled the rest of the NHL hockey season until further notice. They canceled the rest of the NBA basketball season until further notice. They canceled Coachella. They canceled South by Southwest and Austin, Texas. I mean, you're talking billions and billions of dollars in revenue being lost daily you know, at the stock market and the and, and everything that's going on. I mean, the flights are empty. People are scared to travel. There's a lot of money being lost. And 
I don't know. They call the pandemic an epidemic. I don't know what they're calling this one. Pandemic. It's officially, right? it's officially now a pandemic. It's officially now a pandemic. Do you, what is the, you're a doctor, doctor, <laughs> Dr. Rosen. <laughs> what is, what is a pandemic? Well, the CDC decides what's a pandemic and what's an epidemic. And it's based on how many countries are exposed to it, how spread out it is over the globe. So back when they had SARS and MERS and all those different ones, the, the swine flu, um, those were considered epidemics because they they were mostly centralized around certain locations. This is spread so much across the whole globe. That's really why they're calling it a pandemic because it's, it's, it's pretty much everywhere. Wow. And you were telling me a story today that a woman in Seattle or somewhere that had it said it wasn't even close to one of her bouts with flu during her life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying I'm not trying to t shed light, you know, light on or make it sound like it's not important or, or very serious, but is it, is it, worth you know like everything's lost now you still like you know picture all the crowds right now at all these right. just sporting events and i get it if somebody gets sick it's not worth it there's celebrities being quarantined and governors and an assemblyman and and a prime minister i think you said um there's a lot of stuff going on and it's just it's just weird how today this day in march it was like everything got shut down at once i knew i mean just a month ago i traveled to tennessee for a show not even a month ago, I was in Tennessee of Nashville for a show. And then you guys were sitting by me today when that, that message came through, came across that NRA's canceled. I mean, we're a month out from NRA. One month. That What is that telling us? That this is going to continue? They've already made their mind up that, hey, we're canceling it right now. Everybody's already made all their travel plans. All these companies have spent all this money to build these really elaborate booths and get ready for it. Again, it's not a pity party, but a month out, they're already saying we're not doing it. Well, just to give you an idea of what the CDC is saying and, and what these people are predicting, the last time we had a pandemic was over 100 years ago. And so I think it was the Spanish flu. And so over a hundred years ago, we had a pandemic. And if we built the model based on a hundred years ago, they're saying that 15 million people would die from this if we based it on the model of a hundred years ago. So when you think about 15 million people dying, all of a sudden it becomes like a real picture. Now, can you relate those two really a hundred years ago? Obviously there was a lot less technology and medical advancements than there is now. So would we really have that? But if you base it on that model, that's how many people they're saying would die. So it becomes a big picture. And how do you, how do you get it? They say the same way you get a flu, you know, you just from people sneezing and airborne molecules and it starts in the nasal cavity and attaches to your mucus and gets into your lungs. And there you go. So us going out to dinner tonight in Scottsdale and somebody sneezes we're we're taking a chance. Oh yeah, for sure. We should. So we were idiots to be on the airplane today. No, no. I, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I have one of those thermometer things, you know, that measure the heat and you just point it at people's foreheads so you can see if somebody's got a fever. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> Stay away from that guy. Stay away. Yeah. We use it in construction, you know, so. <laughs> Is this like a stud finder? It kind of, it's got, it shoots a laser and it, and it, and it finds the temperature, you know, so you can shoot it at somebody's head and you can see what their temperature is. So kind of like a breathalyzer for a DUI. You have something that can literally tell you like. Yeah, what? this this guy's running hot. Yeah, this this guy's 102. Stay away from him. Really? Yeah, for sure. No way. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Are you making this up? No, no, I'm not making it up, man. <laughs> and you can do it from like 30 feet away, 40 feet away across the room. Really? Yeah. Like a taser? <laughs> It doesn't like, even have to touch him. No, it, no, it's like a laser. All right. Well, regardless, it sucks because I, when I got the news getting off that plane today, I was so 
Son of a gun, man, because I just love baseball. I love, I don't think there's a better feeling in the world if you're a fan of sports to sit in 90 degree heat with a cold beer and watch major leaguers do their thing. And the rookie, all the, everybody that's in the organization, it's just a cool vibe spring training and it just sucks for sports, but hopefully nobody gets affected by the coronavirus anymore. And we, you know, get it under control way sooner than later. Baseball though, the sport of Kings, the song in the movie Wildcats with Goldie Hawn and Pipsy Nelson. I'm throwing some freaking old Hollywood. Remember, it's the sport of kings, better than diamond rings, <laughs> football. They called football sport kings. And then the cheerleader said, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. <laughs> you ugly. Your mama says, you remember this movie? Okay, anyway, sport of kings to me is baseball. I don't think that there is any harder sport I don't think that there's more of a mental sport. Um, now, I'm not saying that fighting that John did or UFC guys or swimmers or whatever. It's all, I get it all. I've, I was in Argentina two years ago on a duck hunt with two guys from Benelli, JP and George, and we got in a pretty heated argument over breakfast, I think it was. We just got done hunting ducks, and I made a comment that baseball players are the best athletes in the world, and they literally spit their food out. And I said, what? And they go, you're an idiot. And I go, Why? And they said, because baseball players are out of shape most of the time. They don't, they're not very, uh, very athletic. They, they're specialized in different areas. I go, first of all, scientifically, it's harder to hit a baseball than to do anything else in sports. It's scientifically proven to hit a round ball with a round object coming at six, 60 feet, six inches, yeah. changing planes. All of that stuff makes it the hardest thing to do. So my argument was this, you go into the major leagues and you pick Anybody you want off of each team, take all 30. How many teams are there now? 30? Yeah. 30, there's yeah. 30 teams. You pick one player off of every team that you're on. And every, and if you go to New York at the time and you pick Sedona, what's his name? What's the big pitcher's name? What was the big guy's name that was that pitched for the Mets? The Real Mets. big. Yeah, the, the Jerry, Bartolo Colon. Yeah, Bartolo Colon, which he looks <laughs> out of shape. The dude is an athlete. He struck me out. I said, you pick. He struck you out. So <laughs> what I told him, Caleb, is I said, you pick anybody that you want off of the teams, and then I want you to go to the NFL, and I want you to pick a player off of each team. I want you to go to the best Olympic swimming team, and I want you to go to the best MMA fight club, and I want you to pick all the best athletes in their respected sport. And then we're going to take them through an Olympic-style you know, event where they're going to shoot a basketball or do a layup. They're going to catch a football, throw a football. They're going to hit a baseball, field a ground ball, catch a pop fly. They're going to swim across the swimming pool. They're going to bull. They're going to play ping pong with eye-hand coordination. They're going to jump rope. They're going to hit a heavy bag. They're going to hit a speed bag. I said, we're going to do all of these athletic events. We'll go fencing. We'll do whatever you want. And the baseball players are going to be the best performers on average, than any of the other athletes in any of their respective sports. And they looked at me and went, you're freaking nuts. And then soccer was one of them too, which soccer players are stud athletes. They yeah, dribble the ball on their toe and yeah. they got great cardio and they flop as good as LeBron James does when they get hit with a little tiny bit of a shoulder or whatever. <laughs> a little bit of a joke. But but they're, they're stud athletes. And I believe in my heart that if you take – yourself and Mike Trout and Bellinger and, 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 and Harper and all of these guys that are at the top of their game in baseball. I promise you, if you throw a fly pattern to Mike Trout and Drew Brees throws it, he's catching that football and scoring a touchdown. Absolutely. Now I'm not saying against a DB in the in the NFL, he's going to be able to juke and jive and get away, but knowing Trout, he probably could, but that man running a pattern is going to make it look fluently. 
and it's gonna be look effortlessly. He's just gonna he's gonna look fluent and look effortlessly. Right. He's just gonna put his hands up, pinkies together. He's gonna run with his arms down. He's not gonna be running like this. He's gonna look like an athlete. You put him in the swimming pool. He's gonna go across the, and look just like Phelps. Not as fast. He would not beat Phelps in a gold medal match. That was my whole point, is that you put Trout on a soccer field and he dribbles a, b- a ball down and kicks it in the goal. You put him in the MMA and he's got to shoot a double leg. Now he'd get his ass kicked by most fighters. No well, doubt. He's going to be able to shoot ball. a double leg. Though. He's going to be able to throw a kick and he's going to be able to throw a punch. And then you let him play ping pong. I guarantee you Mike Trout can play ping pong. I would almost bet money on it, says most baseball players can. Yeah. Bowling, most of them are going to be in the 200s. Mookie Betts bowled a perfect game. Yeah, Mookie Betts. Have been. So what I'm saying is that I think truly think my argument is right i think that football players are studs i think you put them in most until until just go look at video of michael jordan in the batting cages the best basketball player of all time and you put him in the batting cages and he looked like he had never ever ever played a sport in his well, life think about bo jackson that's why i was just gonna say yeah. the best ever yeah. and bo hit 240 250 he won the heisman he hit a bomb in the All-Star game back-to-back with Wade Boggs. He's my favorite athlete of all time. He won the 86-foot locker slam dunk contest. The guy can shoot a bow and arrow as good as anybody. The guy is an athlete. He ran track and field for Auburn. He played football for Auburn. He won the Heisman. He went to baseball. Did all that stuff that got him in, you know, got in trouble and suspended after he went on the recruiting trips and stuff. But baseball players are the best athletes in the world all around than any other respected sport, in my opinion. And I say that all the time, and I'm not, it, maybe scientifically, you could say, well, your heart rate's gonna go to here when you're swimming. Yes, swimming is very hard. I guarantee it's hard, but I can swim across an Olympic-sized pool without stopping and have pretty good form. I don't know if Michael Phelps could go into a batting cage or take a ground ball or a fly ball and make it look fluent. So what yeah. was your point with Bo Jackson? Did he say that? No, my point with Bo Jackson is when he brought him up is that Bo is a in my opinion the best athlete of all time dave winfield was a stud athlete there's other guys that did like thorpe that did a lot of different different sports that were multi-sport but to do what he did in football and basketball and Dion did it too bo just did things at 225 pounds and running a 4 240 they're not supposed to do and then pulling away from people and running over brian bosworth and doing the things that he did athletically and then he'd grab a baseball bat and do okay but he struggled offensively and he's a stud athlete um he did things on the baseball field like catch the ball and run up a wall or throw flat footed from the warning track on a p and just freaking throw a guy out at home plate in baltimore he did things that were amazing but i just think in my head and people can ride in and call in and say you're an idiot dude football players are studs yes they are they'll bench press you through the moon right but you're i'm telling you man baseball 165 days a year the mental approach one day off a week traveling and then the ups and downs in the valleys and granted if you fell on monday you get to make it up on tuesday football you got to wait well it used to be 7 days and now they play thursday friday saturday whatever they are in football now i just have it in my heart that baseball players are the best all around athletes i truly feel that i don't know so, if you've ever heard that argument but i feel that i have and and a funny story about mike trout um i'm talking with somebody and and he tells me that Mike Trout really, really loves to play golf, right? I mean, like almost wants to play golf sometimes more than he does baseball, if you can believe that. And he goes and he's getting fitted for for uh, like a entire set of clubs, right? And and he goes in, he's I, – I can't remember the company he was at or whatever. It doesn't matter. He goes in and he's hitting on this simulator and they've got – Trackman, which tracks like your club speed, you know how 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 far is the ball going, how fast is the ball going, like all all this crazy numbers that the naked eye can't tell. 
So he, he starts out with a driver and he hits this driver and the guy like looks at him that's fitting him and he's like, wow. And Trout being, I, I guess he's, I've never personally met him, but I, I guess he's a very like laid back guy. Doesn't, very humble and laid doesn't, back. Doesn't care that he's the best, probably the best player that will ever play baseball. And uh, he's like, what? <laughs> and the guy, the guy fitting him says, you just beat every single guy that we have on tour in every single number. And the ball went dead straight. It didn't go right. It didn't go left. It went dead straight. Did you see, I'm not interrupting you, but did you see the video of him here the other night at Top Golf? Uh, he hit the ball over the net. Over the net into yeah. the road. And it's a, it's a beautiful it's, golf wow. swing. It's, I mean, wow. like it's like that guy, what I've heard just through baseball and you hear a lot of stuff through baseball, but like you can consistently hear that Mike Trout is an unbelievable golfer. Like can just pick up a club and almost go shoot scratch. And that's my and and and, and, and golf. <laughs> listen, I've played golf for a really long time, and I shoot in the hundreds. You suck at it. I suck. Most people do. I suck. And that's why it's such a frustrating sport because most people can't pick a club up and do that. It's hours and hours of practice. The short game, the mid game, the drive. I'm just saying that I bet I would bet money that if you put him in my shop on a Friday night with two beers at him, that he's going to make ping pong look easy. He's oh, going to have eye hand corners. Yeah, he's going to have a backhand. He's going to have top spin. He's going to have underspin. He's going to do stuff that you're just like. And I bet you now, like gymnasts, let's take a gymnast, for example. The athletic things that they do with their body to contort the body the way they do, what jiu-jitsu guys do and, and judo guys do and high leg kicks and everything, everybody is badass. I am not disrespecting any athletic field at all. I simply told George and JP, and they were literally like ready to – either bet me all the money they had which there did a bet came down and george said i will smoke your brother at basketball and i said my brother and clay's he's heavier now he was a stud athlete in high school and ncaa division one stud gatorade player of the year way o he's overweight now and he doesn't really give a shit some people don't <laughs> but i looked at george and i went george he will beat you the only way you'll score is if you if he lets you he goes, I'll run him to death. I go, you think you will, but you won't. And there, and granted, his heart rate was up and he was heffing and puffing, out of shape as shit, missed a lot of shots, but he beat him 21 to one. And it wasn't, and it was like badass fadeaways and layups and reverse layups and jukes and, you know, doing the things that a, an athlete does. And I looked at George, I go, why did you think you could beat him? And he says, I can. And I go, you can't. So now I just saw, I just talked to George again at shot show in Vegas. And he said, I want to rematch because he's in way better shape than he was at the time. And I looked at George in Vegas and I go, he will shut you out. You will not score on him. He goes, you're so full. I go, George, I promise. And I mean, that's how, that's how passionate I am about my argument about baseball guys being the ultimate athlete when it comes to form, feel, knowing the nuances of a game and just being able to pick up a fly rod and just look fluent with it. Yep. Pick up a, when you pick up a baseball bat as a non-athlete and you see somebody hold it or swing and, and it's just, you can tell mechanically right away. No, it's not there. Even if you can, even if you can tackle a guy as a linebacker, I'm just telling you now, I don't want somebody calling up and say, my uncle was uncle Rico and he can throw a football over a mountain and do all this crazy shit. I get it. There's great athletes all over the world. My only argument was, you take MLB and you pick a player off of each team and put them up against every other professional sport or Olympic sport. And, and even like softball girls 
are stud athletes. Yeah, absolutely. You, you take a stud athlete girl, she's going to be able to do a backflip off of a, a, a high beam and do all of that trick shit in the swimming pool and off a diving board and be able to karate kick and be able to bowl and ping pong, all that. But man, wouldn't that be a great show? Wouldn't that be a they great show? Everybody says they did it. It was called Pros versus Joes and Bo Jackson, Romanowski was on it. How uh, Not Howie Long, but... Yeah, but that was more just against average people. It, it not, was just not against average people. And, and, and I could tell when you go back and watch the reruns, it was on the Spike Network. It's funny you bring this up because I go back and watch them. And I'm like, I wonder why I never really got into that show. And it was because these guys, like you'd watch Bo and you'd be like, dude, he's literally laughing. He's like trying not to let, yeah. the, you know, the editors were like, holy shit, this is going to take a long time to edit because all of these stud athletes, like they had a tackling contest with Romanowski and this guy would have to like, he would have to like fill a two gap or a three hole and the guy would try to juke him. And then Romanowski might catch him by the, the shirt tail and pull him down. I'm like, Romanowski would read that play and stuff that dude all the way four feet into that Astro turf. If it was an NFL game. So it was kind of the same concept pros versus Joe's, but if you did this competition, it would be unbelievable. Snow skiing, going down a mountain, which is a very hard thing to do for a lot of people, including myself. I'm not saying that there's a lot of baseball players that could do it, but if they took a lesson yeah, and a football guy took a lesson and a basketball, basketball took a lesson and a swimmer took a lesson, the baseball guy's going to pick it up like that. Guaranteed. Now, I'm probably going to get my ass kicked someday when I walk out into public and some swimmer's just going to come and smack me with his freaking goggles or his flippers <laughs> or something. But I'm just saying, and I love swimming. I wish I could swim better. It's the hard, It's so hard because you're using all these muscles you didn't even know you had. Swimming is tough, but we can do it. I can, I can do more than a doggy paddle. And I'm not saying a swimmer couldn't take a ground ball, but nine times out of the 10, it's going off his chin or his shin. Chin or shin. That would be the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, even boxing, the sweet science of boxing and the foot wet, footwork, you put Floyd Mayweather in a batting cage, that son of a bitch will look like he never, ever played a sport in his life. But he's the best boxer of all time, arguably. Right. You know, it's 51 and 0. Well, well, just from my experience, I fought my whole life. Started fighting when I was eight years old, um, got my black belts, fought on the U.S. team for 13 years. And uh, the first time I ever picked up a baseball bat, I was 23 years old. I'd never touched a baseball bat. I mean, I just did fighting my whole life. And so 23 years old, my, my best friend was a baseball player, got drafted by the Reds early on, but ended up you know losing his career because of a hurt shoulder. But anyways, he, he said, come play softball with me. And I'm like, I've never touched a bat. And so he's like, well, go to the batting cages. And I felt so dumb because here I am on the U.S. team, you know, full on athlete fighter. And I could not hit the goddamn ball. I mean, it was it was it was ridiculous. And I'm and I'm like, I'm looking at him going, I swear I'm an athlete. And he's like, he's like, no, no, it's really hard. And I'm like, I, I don't know why I can't hit this and that's ball. a softball. I mean. Picture a 97 mile an hour fastball backed up by a 79 mile an hour changeup, And you're going like, what in the and I know how to hit a baseball. And if I went in the cage against him or on the, if I got a nap bat against him tomorrow, he would strike me out on three pitches unless he threw one in the dirt or something. And I spotted it early, but he'd buckle me. He'd scare me. He'd brush me back off with a high cheddar fastball. He would do shit with his slider or his six to 12 cur or his, his 12 to six curveball. He would do things to you that the planes are changing. Their arm angles change. Their leg raise changes. Their, the amount, the speed of from their arm speed to the home plate. If you throw a hundred mile an hour fastball, how fast does your arm have to move? A hundred miles an hour, right? So they can change the speed of their arm like that. 
they could pick somebody off at first with a stutter step, with a back step, with a with, with their you know a leg, a knee up, and and go to first. And then all of a sudden you think they're going to first, and then they fucking throw. Uh, excuse, yeah, I said the f word. Sorry. They throw <laughs> they they throw a, a hundred mile an hour fastball by you, and you're sitting there in the box sixty feet away, sixty and a half feet away, and you have to make a split decision: Am I swinging? Am I not swinging? Am I swinging all the way? Am I check swinging? Am I backing up? Am I watching it in the dirt? Is it two inches off the plate and I can see it? And the way that I look at it is you said Trout's the best player of all time. Until he'll, he probably right. end up, unless injury, God forbid nothing happens to that guy because I love watching him. Barry Bonds is the best hitter of all time in the sport of baseball. Hands down, the best hitter of all time. In my opinion, again, but think about the records he was setting, and I know there's an asterisk, and I know that they say he was on roids, and I know that McGuire and Clemens and all these guys aren't even getting on the ballots because of it, and that's another another story, another conversation. Bonds set the record in two years in a row, I believe, and you'd have to fact check me on intentional walks. He had the record for walks in a, a season, which I think Babe Ruth owned it. Before. We looked this up the other day in the and clubhouse. He literally would get one pitch a game to hit, and he'd hit it into the water in McCovey Cove. One pitch a game because nobody wanted to throw to the guy lefty or righty because he literally would stand on it and hit the piss out of it on the nails every time. And I and you think about that, how good of precision you have to be as an athlete. That guy, if you watch him shoot a basketball, he literally looks like freaking A.C. Green on the Lakers back in the 80s, just fluent as hell. And I, there's just something about the prowess of a baseball player. I don't know if, if, if it's the mindset or what it is. They're just better athletes than any other athletes in the world. Now, that's my opinion. Please, nobody write in and well, get mad at Caleb or John. That is what I'm saying. Well, and and let me let me let me go back and defend my honor really quick. I, and I'm not saying I'm not comparing myself to Barry Bonds by any means, but I just need to defend my honor here. I, I was really bad at baseball. Now I I got some coaching and got some training, and I could actually start to hit the ball. So I just wanted to make that clear. I wasn't a total loser, but you know I, I was I was actually able to start learning how to swing. I'll and, tell myself I was so whenever I got called up. Obviously, you hit in the the pitcher hits in the National League, right? So, I come from a high school in Ohio where the the hardest pitch you'll see is probably maybe eighty five, maybe. Yeah. My first at bat in the big leagues, I saw ninety five, and I didn't see the ball. Had no clue. I had no clue. Yeah. No, like I had no chance. Yep. Now it took me a couple times to to kind of get this thing figured out and start seeing the ball. But I saw 97, one of my last at-bats that I had last year, and it's it's literally, it's almost like a blur. Like, it, it really is. I mean, that's it's that fast. And people always say, how do you get good at sports? And one of the first things coaches will tell you is to slow the game down. Absolutely. Football happens so fast. You know, it's 32 dive, hand it off to the fullback, boom, he's hitting the two-hole. That freaking lineback, inside linebacker's got to fill the gap, or it's a freaking pass in the flat, and the strong safety's got to come up and, and fill the, the flat because the corner's being taken out on a nine route by the wide receiver. You have all this shit going on. You slow the game down. You can't slow down 97-mile-an-hour fastball. And that's why I tell everybody, you can't slow it down. You have to have unbelievable thinking and engagement to your eye-hand coordination, and then not to mention your right eye or left eye dominance and everything that goes into that. And then the biggest part of it is that you're considered an stud if you only do it three out of 10 times. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you killed a duck every time you went 10 hunts and you killed one out or one out of 
you know, you killed three times out of every 10, you'd probably never go again unless you really got mature fast and knew what the the power of the hunt was. But if you knew that you were going to fail in life 70% of the time, you, you know, I'm single. Let's say that I had all the confidence in the world and every girl I went up to, Hey, will you go to the dance with me? No. Will you go to the dance with me? No. On the third one, I'd be like, I'm never asking another girl to the dance again. I don't know, Chad, you're pretty resilient. <laughs> okay, me, but most people. But I'm saying three out of 10 times you're considered a stud. Yeah. You're considered an, a first ballot Hall of Famer in most instances to hit be a 300 career to George Brett, hit 391 year. He won batting titles in three different decades. He won the Silver Slugger Award multiple times. He almost beat Ted Williams' record of, of, of the, you know, the next guy to hit 400. To do that and to know that he was consistently hitting that high every season of his life, I just don't think that you can put, you can't put a label on how great that truly is. When, if you slow the game down, like I'm talking about, and figure out for yourself how hard it is to hit a baseball, and you're in the major leagues, Caleb, and you said, I didn't even know where the pitch was at 95. Yeah, I had no idea. Those guys are seeing that four to five ABs a game unless they're walking, but plate appearances four to five a game. And they're doing what he did. He's he he won batting titles in three different decades. That's amazing to me. But regardless of what a stud he was, baseball players all around, I feel, are the best athletes in the world. I really think you put him in a swimming pool, he's going to be able to do a breaststroke, a frog stroke, and probably doggy paddle like a mofo looking at you. But <laughs> but I'm saying you the the athletic prowess of baseball professional baseball players and college baseball players, it's just known, man. When you're on campus, you're like, yeah, you're a wide receiver for the football team and you can run your ass off, but let's go to the bowling alley. We'll yes. put the smack down on you over a picture. So Caleb, there. in your experience, what what sports have you are you, are you pretty good, pretty well-rounded at yeah, all sports? So, yes, I, I played all three sports growing up. So I, I was a big football player. I play, I wasn't very good, but I played basketball. I know how to shoot a basketball. I Whatever. Played baseball. And I honestly, I, I really do think that baseball was probably the hardest sport to play. I really do. Um, and my brother played college football, and he would tell you that baseball was the hardest sport for him to play too. And – and I don't say that because I'm playing baseball. Like I have nothing bad to say about any other sport, but I really think like I could go run a hot route right now and catch a football. We do it every day. We go run in the outfield every single day before stretch and throw the football around. Anybody can do that, right? Now, yes, it's going to be extremely hard to do whenever you have Richard Sherman guarding you, right? Extremely hard. But get in the box and have a role as Chapman or Jordan Hicks throwing 100 and it's moving. It's not going straight. It's sinking. It's cutting. It's rising. You don't see the ball. Yeah. You really don't see the ball. And all sports are hard. They're all hard. I couldn't imagine having to guard LeBron James. Like, if that dude's going to come dunk on me, he's going to jump over me. Like, it's LeBron James, right? But, again, get in the box and try to hit 100. 100, I 100 would take, plus. I, I mean, would... Jordan Hicks throws... His average fastball is like 102 miles an hour. And, and what, what does anybody know the math on that? So so if you're throwing 100 miles an hour, how many feet per second is that? Because it's got to be close to... You when, literally have point four, point zero four seconds to react. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like an arrow. It's it's literally you can, almost you, as fast as an LeBron arrow coming James out of a boat. would boat. drive on you and dunk. Yeah. And you're not guarding him, but I promise you... I'll take I a would, charge. I'd put a, thou, I'd put a thousand dollars a sport because I'm not a big money guy, that you would beat him in, in, in most sports, including ping. And I and LeBron James is a stud. 
a stud, but I would pick a baseball player, including yourself, in every athletic event against him, except Duncan and and and, and I'm not, maybe that's a little bit. That's pretty. That might be outlandish. Maybe he is a badass bowler. I don't know. I'm still taking you. Yeah. I honestly think you put you against LeBron James up in a bowling match. You're going to beat him with your eye-hand coordination and your ability and your prowess and your approach. And all. Now, his mental approach and all that, I'm not saying it's not there. He is a stud. He's an icon. He's the Michael Jordan of the of the 2000s, right? He's nowhere near as good as Michael Jordan. He really isn't. Now, that's a whole other podcast. But he's nowhere near <laughs> I'm Michael not going to touch that He's one. nowhere near Michael Jordan. Give, him the, give Jordan the ball with five seconds left every time, and he's doing it. LeBron's not. He'll take the shot, but he ain't Jordan. Is that bad to say? You guys are looking at me like I'm weird. I, I don't know. I, I you, can't. You're get too this young argument. to even know who Jordan was. No, I mean, look, we have these conversations every day in the bullpen. I mean, you get extremely, extremely bored watching nines of baseball every single day, and you have these conversations, and you never come to a conclusion. So. I just assume to stop having. That's why you just voice the them. That's why you just voice your opinion. And whatever happens, you just throw. <laughs> My a lot opinion of stuff is LeBron, but I've watched LeBron grow up and and be LeBron his entire career. I, would, I mean, I was so young with Jordan, right? It's like hard now, to argue. everything all I know is LeBron. I take Jordan. I mean, every I watch day his highlights and, and twice on and twice on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd take Jordan too. God, what he I, did to that Jordan. what he did to that sport. And I'm not saying LeBron hasn't. I'm just saying, dude, Jordan, Jordan's I mean, on a different level of human being and athlete. And like anyway, baseball players are the best athletes in the world, period. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel that in my heart. I really think that I'm onto a TV show here and I'm starting to write it in my head. Like just baseball rules is what it's going to be called. Like O'Doyle rules in the Adam Sandler movies. Remember? So Abby could you Gillen? throw Kyler Murray in there then to try and prove that baseball players are the best because he was a first round draft pick as a baseball player. And now he's a quarterback in the NFL. I think it's because he was a baseball player. I think that that taught him to be a better ba football player. I'd really do. I think that, I think that Bo, Bo is a perfect example. Dion's a perfect example. Dion could cover any wide receiver in the game. I mean, he got his name primetime from football, Florida state. I mean, when he came out of Florida state, he was, his uh, his first nickname was not primetime. It was almost like Floyd Mayweather. You know, he was sugar first, and then he became money because he's like, I ain't going to make any money with sugar. That's a true story. I've heard it several times. But, he, you know, he changed his name to money because those people at that weight division weren't really the draw back then. It was Mike Tyson and the big Evander Holyfield and Lewis. So, anyway, that's another story, too. But I just think that you look at what Dion did on the football field compared to what he did offensively on a baseball field. We haven't even taken into consideration that you go see 97 from the left side at your chin and then a slider that falls off and makes you look like an idiot. Then you got to go out and take a rocket hard ground ball at shortstop. And have you ever stopped to study the athleticism of just a shortstop, the arm speed, the arm strength, the the way that they, the way their footwork, like Incredible. it's unlike any sport in the world. There's no, well, well, and here's here's another thing that's extremely difficult about baseball. It's the pace of the game. Because like you're saying, you're sitting Super in the dugout. Slow. You're yeah. sitting in the dugout and you're like bored watching nine innings of baseball. And baseball goes from being super slow one minute to being insanely fast the other minute and so your mind adjusting from one to the other so quickly whereas in baseball there's a i mean in in basketball or football there's a rhythm and you kind of get into that rhythm and that rhythm kind of stays through the whole thing even in fighting it's you, a great point. You, you try and find a you try and find a rhythm and in fighting 
one of the best things that you can do as a fighter to change up on your opponent is to change the rhythm of the fight. Yeah. So you get them into a certain rhythm and then you pick it up really fast and you pick the rhythm up and then you drop the rhythm back down. So you're changing the pace and the speed of the fight and that throws the other guy off. And that's one of the things that's so brilliant about baseball is the pace and the cadence of the game changes so quickly through the whole thing. You could be just, you know, you watch little kids play baseball and they're out in the field like, you know, staring at the butterflies. Yeah, yeah, they're staring at the butterflies, picking grass. And And then a guy hits one in the gap and you got to take a drop step and run back to your spot and cover a lot of ground. And and, and, and think of Jim Edmonds. I mean, he goes... He'll go 10, you know, 10 ABs and see ground ball, strikeout, ground ball, walk, double play, this, this. And then all of a sudden somebody shoots one into the gap and he was, remember the way he covered the gap for St. Louis? Do yourselves a favor and go watch highlight videos of Jim Edmonds, a left-handed center fielder for the Cardinals. Griffey, what Junior did in the outfield. But that's a, such a good point. Just the the whole the whole speed of the game. You, I mean, we made that point a few minutes ago about slowing it down. The game is slow. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit! What like a third baseman? Oh god, what was that? You see these plays these third basemen are making? Now I get it. Colin Kaepernick, best quarterback of all time in the football, is that right? Is that is, do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> you take you take a freaking fastball from freaking Brady, who's known for just having an 82 slant pass. You know, 82 is one step and on the left side of the field, and then just straight in. Right, the receiver goes one step and boom, and he's just like the ball almost goes through them. He's throwing it that hard. These guys are stud athletes to catch that ball and to do what they do. But, and again, the game time is never the same as practice, but those guys practice that play thousands and thousands of times a, a year before the game starts, right? Boom, he's on the dot. The timing's there. Brady doesn't even know. It. The receiver hasn't even turned his head yet, and he turns, and the ball's there right there. They know it. It's repetition. Baseball's not repetition. You can't go up there and go. A leadoff hitter's job is to see the pitch. And then tell the number two guy, well, a slider's doing this. And then they usually get on him by the second or third time around the lineup. It's not the case. That number two hitter goes up there, unless you're the Astros. Another inside joke. You bang on a trash can. But then that guy goes up there and that pitcher's like, I'm not going to throw him anything. I just threw the first hitter. It's just they can completely change shit up and take a little bit of speed, circle change, a fork ball, a split finger fastball, a four seam fastball, a cutter, all of the things that just a pitcher can do with his hand. Then you add Barbasol and a little bit of Ben Gay on your own. <laughs> oh my God. I was going to start off this conversation, but you're too young, dude. Like if I said, what's the best baseball movie ever made? You'd be like, I don't think I've ever seen Bad one. Bears. <laughs> oh, that's an old one. Major League by far. By far. Is that, am I too opinionated? Like when I say by far the best, like is that too opinionated? Because I don't think like Bad News Bears no, 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 or I, I, Rookie of the Year or Bull Durham, which great. But dude, Charlie Sheen in the in the Major League, I could watch it every week. It's like Christmas Vacation. I could watch Christmas Vacation Way more than just the holidays. I could watch the original Vacation every week or Fletch. Wedding Crashers, by far the funniest movie ever made. Now, people are going to argue that, but it is. It's the funniest movie ever made. Is that opinionated? No, no. I appreciate the fact that you have a this strong opinion. You're not just taking the middle of the road, easy, easy route. I appreciate your your strong opinion. And I think, and I'm not trying to say like everybody's going to agree with me. I just have gotten, I'm not set in my ways. If we had a conversation, I'd be like, well, maybe Barry Bonds isn't the best hitter of all time. Griffey had a beautiful swing. 
Griffey was a stud, but I just love what Barry Bonds did with the baseball bat. He was amazing. I think when you're passionate, bat. you have strong opinions. Yeah, that's, I, that's just how but it I is. Don't, but I, I, I listen to other people. And I'm not going to get in like a throwdown argument. Like you're an idiot. Barry Bonds is way better than him. It's if it's you not haven't like, looked up his stats and how many times he was walked, go look him up. It's amazing. I mean, it's like I don't know it off the top of my head, but it will like make you respect it that much i mean know, it is incredible how many times that guy was walked you want to know what made me respect him more is this this is what the number one thing that i don't know barry i've met him once or twice always was cool got into hunting i don't know if he's still in it but he started shooting a christensen arm rifle a little bit he was doing some stuff with with them but matt williams who was a stud third baseman that was leading the home run chase going into the strike year i don't know if you remember matt williams but he was a stud from carson california bishop california and then Played at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He was either he was a third base coach for the Diamondbacks. Now I think he was with Gibson there. Who's the head coach of the Diamondbacks now? Oh gosh, what's that guy's name? I picture his face. Uh, it was Kurt Gibson. Then it was uh, Don. Oh man, maybe I'm way off. Anyway, I talk. I was talking to Matt Williams, and I said, "What about Bonds?" Because we'd be at UNLV and those players would come through Vegas before spring training and it was always warm weather in Vegas and that was might have been like their last party week in Hooray before they went to Phoenix, right? But I was asking him, I said, what about Bonds? He said, there's not a harder worker in the room. First to show up, last to leave, the drills that his dad puts him through, the calisthenics, the conditioning, the the visualization drills, which if you read up on baseball and you read like Ted Williams' book and The Science of Hitting, I think chapter three is visualization, which is probably the number one lesson in life of all of life is if you visualize something, you could get it done. And, and we were always taught that. But in baseball, on deck circle, if you're in the hole, if you're in the bullpen, you're visualizing if athletes learn how to do that, well, it doesn't ring any truer than baseball. And Barry Bonds, his visualization of the drills he would do with odd and even numbers on a ball and finding the circle and the dot on a slider and then being able to pick up numeric numbers and not being able to hit an odd number, only being able to swing at an even and having to do ungodly amount of, of conditioning if he did, his vision was that keen. He could find some part in the plane of the ball from the pitcher's mound to home plate and maybe not from the full, but from behind the L screen, probably that he was hitting just odd numbers. Well, and how do you, how do you not as a player get so frustrated? Like every time you're stepping up to swing and they're just walking you, walking you, what's the mental game? That's how, do you, how yeah, do you, st- how do you stay guy, mentally yeah, strong? Yeah, especially intentionally, especially in intentionally. Yeah. He'd get up there and they'd be like, well, just put him on. Yeah. I mean, there'd be bases loaded and he'd get walked to score one run so he wouldn't clear the bases. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how, there str- was how good it was. There multiple times where it was bases loaded and it was, go ahead. Yeah. And we'll, it, we'll take the run instead of take the four runs. Yeah, we'll take the run instead of you. How does that play with you mentally? How do you stay... Focused. That's why that I know, whole. I guess I wish I had that problem to figure out. Right? <laughs> that, that, that's why, in my opinion, that whole era of baseball. There, I am saying opinion, and it's such a shame. It's such a shame that guys like him and Clemens and McGuire, what they did for the sport, what McGuire did for the city of St. Louis, and before that, the city of Oakland, what Bonds did for the Bay Area, and before that, Pittsburgh, and before that, right here at Arizona State, because he was a Sun Devil. 
everything that they did for the game and putting those asses in that seat and selling those jerseys with the names on the back of them, the beer sales, the parking sales, the money that was being generated, the revenue that's being generated. And you're going to tell me that nobody knew what was going on. You're going to sit here and blame it on Sosa, who's white now, from what I saw on his last interview. Have you seen Sammy Sosa lately? Mm-mm. He's white. Like he he had something weird going on with his skin. I'm not kidding you. Really? Google Google Sammy Sosa real quick. New say updated picture Sammy Sosa. Anyway, all I'm saying is you're way younger than us. That time in baseball was special. The seats were full. The 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 energy was there. Not saying that it's not right now, but those guys aren't ever going to go into the Hall of Fame. Probably. You see it? Wow! Isn't that crazy? What? I saw it on a 30 for 30. There's no way that's yes, real. That's really Sammy Sosa. Something no happened way. to his pigmentation of his skin. I can't remember the details of it. I saw it. I think it was oh a, a 30 by 30. You guys thought I was kidding when I said Sammy Sosa's white now. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Remember when he, when he would sprint to right field? Remember when he carried the flag, the flag out there? Yeah. 9-11? Speaking yeah. of the, the beauty of spring training, I remember watching Sammy Sosa in spring training and getting... Just so excited because I got to sit so close to him yeah, and watch awesome. him just smash it out of the park in spring training. And God, I was they just, got a great complex I was just here now. so, just so excited to be able to see that up close and just a great spring training. But you know what I mean me. about that era of baseball? Like, think oh, about yeah. that. Roger Clemens won how many and, and Cy Young? Seven? Five or seven? And he's not going to go into the Hall of Fame? He's freaking the rocket. And they're going to say that Rafael Palmeiro found guilty, uh, Sosa, all... And, and all and, of these guys that were just busted and busted and busted. How are you going to tell me that nobody knew about it? I know that Conseco was probably the biggest part of all of that coming out when he wrote that book. And he, he let a lot out of the bag in that book. And I think it's mainly because he knew his career was shot. He wasn't going to the Hall of Fame. He wasn't making any money anymore. So why not just bust everybody else up for everybody knew something was up? I mean, McGuire's arms were not as big as yours, but they were freaking pretty big. <laughs> hey, but he was I'm, they were hitting bombs. I mean, Bonds was... Hitting bomb, um, he hit seventy-one bombs, seeing one pitch a game. Yeah. How special is that? How I, special I'm, is that? I'm so opinionated about this that I almost have to not say anything because I just feel I, this frustrates me so much. Because you can take even a good baseball player and give him as much steroids as you can possibly give him, and it's not going to turn him into Barry Bonds. It's just not. No, there, there's no, but beating on the, trash cans will. <laughs> yeah, that's but, a good point. It will. Cheater. You know, it will. The Belichick but, of baseball. He, you know, I, I just—it's so frustrating to see people take take things away from them. And even you know, I'm a old Cincinnati Reds fan, and to see what they, you know, Pete Rose, and you know, see him be not granted the respect that he needs yeah. for what he did—it's just frustrating. This you year, know? Larry Walker, who I love his career, Canadian hockey player, comes to the Rockies, was on the Expos, I believe, to start his career, goes to the Rockies, stud right fielder, but to. To tell me that he's in the Hall of Fame over Barry freaking Bonds, who is arguably the best all-around player of all time. Look at just his defensive stats. Average arm, but led in assists. How many gold gloves? Enough. Stolen bases, he's a 40-40 man. He, his prowess of the outfield, his ability at the plate. I, I, I don't know how many MVPs he won. I, but it's a lot. Uh, and you're going to tell me that you're going to put Larry Walker, who deserves 100% to be in the Hall of Fame. But you're going to tell me that Barry Bonds is not even on the ballot, really, because of this asterisk when everybody knew why the seats were full. Rafael Palmiro's the last guy in the world that looked like he was on steroids. He was doing Viagra commercials. How do they know he wasn't just doing Viagra and that wasn't making his stick better? 
Oh, think about that joke, buddy. But think about it. He was doing Viagra commercials. And Rafael Palmiro was a stud for the Rangers. Well, and He's I just, never going to be in the Hall of Fame, ever. Well, and I just feel like it's such a double standard almost because if you look at all the other professions, you know um, – Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Those guys aren't disqualified because they did cocaine and did all these things, and sure. and you know they they still get to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You look at all these politicians that still have the accolades of being a politician and getting their getting their pensions, their huge Bill pensions, you know, getting their huge pensions from the government. But look at they didn't get disqualified because they did whatever they did in office, you know. And it's it's just in baseball just has such a high standard for, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have standards, but it just feels well, so minute, wrong minute, to minute, take somebody's career away from them. But wait a minute. I just want to make sure that people understand where I was coming from. Cheating is not right. Right. If it says that you can't take PhDs, then don't take performance enhancing drugs. Don't shoot yourself up with HGH or anything like USADA, John Jones. He don't need drugs. He's the baddest ass fighter of all time. Yeah. He's got busted twice. So what does that do for his legacy? It's smoke. Fighters don't respect him, even though he'll beat the shit out of you. He's not looked at as like a pay-per-view draw like Conor McGregor is because of those drug busts. And then his alcohol stuff and all the things that he got in trouble for. I'm not saying that cheating is right, but... They knew about it. They, Bud Seelig, in my opinion, the commissioner of baseball, knew what was going on. And then after it comes out with the Conseco book and all of the reports coming out, A-Rod, all of these guys that were getting busted, baseball turned their back on. Like, whoa, if you're now, I understand Pete Rose not going to the Hall of Fame. He legally, he knew damn right he was betting on baseball right, right. and he wasn't supposed to. Even though he should be in the Hall of Fame based on stats, if it says if you do this and get caught, Nobody else, it wasn't like they found a thousand Pete Roses. Everybody, not everybody, that's dumb to say. Lots and lots of Major League Baseball players were doing roids. I'm not condoning cheating, John, is what I'm saying. Right, right, But right. I'm simply saying that you cannot turn your back on Clemens and Bonds and all of these guys that were doing that, if they were, and knowing that they were to fill the seats and that it was that a cheek was being turned to it. They all of a sudden thought that it was a secret that these guys were, that the ball was flying out of the park like it was because of what? The ball was altered. The bats were made out of better wood. They were filled with ping pong balls. What was going on with 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 the the equipment? They knew that the equipment was different than it was when Hank Aaron set the record. Pitchers were different. They were training different. They were throwing different pitches. They were th Bob Gibson threw really hard. But now a pitcher can go every four days, five days, and still have you know and 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 and, and have a rotation that's only four or five deep. Is it isn't a rotation like four five. or five? Five five, five deep. All I'm simply saying is that I feel in my heart that it was known. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me people didn't know what was going on. It's so it's more of a political thing. I just yeah. think I just think that it's like we're going to put we're not going to let these guys into the Hall of Fame because they're doing steroids or PhDs at the time. I'm like, "What? Barry Bonds came into the league in 86. His career has been glorious." He is a Still freaking. About. He is yeah. a freaking stud, and now he is not looked at like Barry Bonds should be looked at because of that asterisk. It's not, dude. Just now, just this week in Scottsdale, it happened to Barry. Did you guys see the reports on his article? Mm -mm. Yeah, he freaking had a, a interview with the guy that the guy went and reported and had to come back and and take some out because Bonds came back and refuted the 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 quotes that were made about about being in the graveyard or something and being on the major league baseball's death wish death list. And that, um, if he, and, and then he went back and said, no, this is what was said. And the guy came back and refuted it and said, okay, that's what was said. But it was pretty much saying that if I don't get on the ballot this year, I'll never get in the hall of fame 
Barry Bonds, not in the Hall of Fame. That's, I can't Craig Biggio. Wrap my head around Craig that. Biggio, stud. Are you telling me that Biggio didn't do steroids? I don't know. I would never sit next to Craig and go, you were a steroid act. But he was part of the killer bees in Houston. Who was the who was the third baseman that died in Houston from, I think, roids and heart attack? It was Ken Caminiti. If you look back on that, something went on. He died of a heart attack at a young age. All I'm saying is that you can't put Craig Biggio into the Hall of Fame and not put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Period. I agree. He is the best baseball player of all time, ex, 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 at least in our lifetime. He's as good as Mickey Mantle. He's as good as Hank Aaron, and he's a stud. Anyway, I got off on a rant there. That was just John's opinion, guys, that I was talking about right there. <laughs> so, so, Caleb, who is you growing up? I'm curious, who is your who is your baseball god? Who did you Derek look Jeter. up to? Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Great without role a, model. Without a question. Okay. Everything that guy did was right. Everything. I mean, you literally can't look up. Derek Jeter and find something the the be, the best management of media and PR of all time. Oh gosh, there's nothing. Yeah, there's that guy could have gotten a head on collision and been hammered one night, and it would have been nobody would hurt. He just had the best, and I'm not saying he did. He just had the best, the best career, the cleanest career yep. of all time, yep. and playing in the worst media friendly city in the country, yeah, probably York. right. It's got to be hard to play in New York, in isn't New it? York and Boston's. Isn't L A. or is L A. just L A. is not bad, dude. Really? Yeah, it's not. I mean, they want to talk to two people probably every night. They want to talk to the starting pitcher and whoever hit the most homers that game. That's it. They don't talk to anybody else. The manager, obviously, every night. But they don't – L.A.'s media is extremely laid back compared to what other guys have to deal with in other teams. Really? I would think that – You would think it would be the exact opposite, but they do such a good job of limiting who's allowed in our clubhouse and who's not that our media is – because you think about Hollywood and the Lakers yeah. and everything that goes on. You would around, think it would be terrible. You would think it would be terrible. Yeah, I remember David Price coming over and him thinking, man, this media is going to be terrible. From right? Boston, From right? Boston, yeah. He comes over from Boston and he's thinking the media is going to be terrible. And he does his, like, uh, he does his little press conference, let's call it, I guess, in L.A. after the trade happens. This is right before spring training. He does all of that right there in L.A., comes to spring training like the next two days and has zero questions that he has. To, nobody's waiting around at his locker. And like he's confused, thinking he's missing something. And they're like, nah, man, like that's how our media is. Like once you give them one thing, you're done. Until you do something else that's cool or bad. But other than that, you're done. You don't got to talk to him. Wow. Yeah. What about – what about um the Kobe deal in the offseason of baseball and off but what did it if did it get back to you guys in a way that you didn't see coming when that when all that went down because I that would, that, yeah, that was mean, a huge media event obviously yeah, but you know I I personally didn't have anything you know to do with that but I'm sure the face the f- few faces of our team probably had a lot of I guess cuz he was close he was close with the Dodgers Yeah so he came out in 18 during the World Series, he came out that year, and and anytime they bring somebody like that out, they bring him through the clubhouse. They they let him interact with the team a little bit. You know, the team can get pictures with them. I mean, yeah, we're big league baseball players, but that's freaking Kobe Bryant, right? right? I mean, that's Kobe Bryant wearing a Dodgers jersey, wearing a Dodgers jersey. <laughs> that's yeah, sick. So that's not something you see, but I mean that that whole thing. I think in just sports world in general, God. shook up a lot of different. Does people. it just show I mean, you that that in an instant like it's, you're like think about i was your, on a plane that that same morning i was flying home from la 
literally that exact same. I took off an hour before his his helicopter. Was it foggy? Yeah, it was actually. It's, it's, he wasn't – copters got – the choppers got grounded that day even by, like, the yeah. HP and yeah, the yeah. sheriff's office. We don't need to go into because it really is, like – Sad, man. It's sad. It's like – it's – he was an icon, a legend, his daughter and the teammates of his daughter there and the coach and all that. That baseball coach was uh, – Clay knows him. He'd be around Vegas at UNLV once in a while and stuff. So the, the, that One of the gentlemen that died in that helicopter crash was the head baseball yeah, coach yeah. at that high school. yeah. Anyway, just you, you think about L.A., you think there's so much badassery that has come out of L.A. Number one Some being of all talent, time. Yeah. Number one badassery thing ever out of L.A. You got I'm talking you got Marlon Brando and The Godfather and Steven Spielberg and Jurassic Park. The number one badass thing to ever come out of L.A. is Guns N' Roses. Hands down. <laughs> is that opinion? Is that a staunch opinion? That's, that's an opinion. Did you say that's debatable? That's an that's an opinion. That's all I said. But that is a fact. <laughs> a fact. You look at Axl Rose in a pair of spandex shorts with his Doc Martin boots on, singing "Sweet Child of Mine" in front of a crowd in 1990. There's no finer thing in life. John agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Guns N' Roses fan, but that might be going. That might be stretching. It name just a one other bit. thing in El- Name one other thing that's came out of there that's better than Guns N' Roses, besides maybe Magic Johnson, Larry Bird in the late '80s. Yeah, Kurt Gibson's home run. Yeah, maybe pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. This the arm thing, dude. We're talking Guns N' Roses on Sunset Boulevard. We're talking the baddest ass band that sold out Dodger Stadium in 13 minutes two years ago Caleb are you a Guns N' Roses fan he doesn't even know who they are so, <laughs> he's, he's a little young let's see <laughs> I mean I've heard their music obviously but I'm not not like the two of you guys oh you, we, we might have to we might have to school Caleb do yourself a favor and, and become one your walkout song should be like Rocket Queen Boom. There's your freaking... No, not Rocket Queen. There's a girl's name in that, but Rocket. But dude, I'm telling you, just get Appetite for Destruction, Lies, Use Your Illusion 1, Use Your Illusion 2, The Spaghetti Incident's a cover album of Punk Jams, but here's... We're getting way off base. We're going to go into your career right after this, maybe, if it's (laughs) it's interesting. (laughs) It's it's, just uh, starting to get interesting. It is. GNR came about in like 85 in LA. Axel, all these guys moved out here. Slash and Izzy, they all met, right? They put out G, uh, Appetite in 86, went to retail in 87. Then they had Lies, which was four songs. They put it with four live songs, an A and B song, sides that had Patience on it. And then it went five years, I think, until 92. They put out Use Illusion 1 and 2, a double album that was unreal. Then in 93, they put out a punk album that was all covers. Then they broke up. In 1994, they broke up. Think about this now. Five albums, four really, but five albums. They just broke the record last year of most money ever made. They're number two. I shouldn't say broke the record. They're number two. They took the number two spot of most money generated on a tour. How many years later? I, I don't. I'm I mean, not good God, at math. That's crazy. 1994. 15 years. No, 15. My ass. Oh, 25. 1994 to 2000. 25 years. 25 years. Wow. Four albums. That's why it's so amazing. Led Zeppelin had 20. Rolling Stones has like, I don't even know how many albums. They put out one a year for a long time. Four albums in the late 80s and early 90s. And they did $490 million in revenue on a tour. I looked I looked at a billboard when I was coming to the going to the airport today. It was Poison. I'm sure you've seen it by the nugget. Poison and Joan Jett. They're playing in the amphitheater, which is awesome. 
if you like poison, I wasn't a big fan. Every rose has its thorn, just like it. But anyway, God dang it, dude. I just start, I almost started to fall in love with you right there. <laughs> They're playing an amphitheater of 2,500 to 35, 4,000 people at the most in downtown Sparks. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. GNR is selling out Wembley Stadium. They sold out Dodgers. They're selling out every arena and they've sold out their entire South American tour in Buenos Aires and Argentina and Peru and Santiago, Chile and Uruguay and Paraguay, every one of them. Then they're coming here. They're playing stadiums. They're playing. We went and saw them three years ago at Giant Stadium. Now it's called Oracle Park, I think. Yep. I just got two tickets to. Yes, sir. But think about it. Just think about that. Four albums, four and here we are 25 years later and they're selling out 50,000 seat arenas to watch Axel shake his ass and sing Welcome to the Jungle. So Think Ca about that. So C Caleb, the lesson here is you need to you need to school you yourself. Need to but yeah, is you my, argu is my argument legit? How do they do that? Why is Guns N' Roses so unbelievably badass to be able to do it? Poison came at the same time as Guns N' Roses. Is it because Axel said, you know what, watch and this. arguably I'm at the time... As good at the time. Oh God! No, 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 no! Right close. when they first came out, like you could have an not argument e with your buddy and not say, e "No, not oh, even." Not even just he's just wrong. He's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> it wasn't even close. It was the appetite destruction was so far ahead of its time, dude. It was unbelievable. There's not one song you can tell me Poison sings that is rock and roll. Name one. Yeah, Look yeah, what the cat yeah. dragged in. There's nothing that compares to freaking Paradise City with that blows that whistle and just. Strapped in the chair of the city gas chamber. Why I'm here, I can't quite remember. The Surgeon General says it's hazardous to breathe. I'd have another cigarette, but I can't see. Those lyrics are genius, dude. L.A., like where he lives, like Jungle was L.A., this country boy moving from BFE, Indiana, and all of a sudden he's like, Welcome what is Welcome to this? the jungle. We got fun and games. But anyway, all I'm saying is that, God, this is so awesome to talk about this with a Major League Baseball player, which he's the best athlete in the world, baseball players. And now we're talking about the best band of all time. This is not an opinion. This is another fact. If you think about what I just said, and just think about that, 25 years they have not released, not just a record, a hit, a single, anything. Now, Axel was out there a little bit with a new band and GNR had a, a, a an album, but that band was playing like at the Hard Rock Casino in Vegas in front of 4,000 people at the pit. He gets with Slash and Duff again. Matt Sorum says no. I'm sure he's regretting that right now. Izzy said no. He's got to really be regretting it because they invited Izzy out on this tour. Anyway, 25, 27 years later, they are doing $490 million in revenue selling out stadiums all across the world. To me, that's just crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like, that is like the best baseball player of all. That's like Bo Jackson, Okay. He wouldn't do that. He couldn't go sell out huge arenas to go on speaking engagements. And he was very significant in sports. The best of all time, in my opinion, as far as like all around just badass, right? I don't know if Griffey could. Could Bonds? No way. There's just, who could? Could Kobe have done it? Could Jordan? Jordan probably could. Yeah. I bet you Jordan can go on a worldwide tour like Oprah's on right now. Like, I don't know if I'd pay to see Oprah. I don't know what you're watching. But Jordan is would be cool to see speak. I'd pay to watch it. 
pay to listen to I, that, I, paid I, guess. To, I pay to listen to Jordan. Yeah. It's kind of like Mike Tyson. He's going around doing his his tour right now. I'd and, do that uh, just I, for I, the I, speech impediment. And then run when he would walk at me. If that tattoo turns toward. All I'm saying is, I'm I know I'm being passionate again, but you just can't imagine a rock band that sells out arenas like that worldwide. I don't know any other rock band that does it right now besides you two. Iron Maiden. Nowhere near in world, America. Yeah, yeah, but they they have a huge world following. South America especially, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do a good job. Bruce Dickinson, they do, and he flies the jet for him, which is crazy. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah that's nuts. The documentary, it's called Flight 666. The lead singer is a commercial pilot in wow. Florida, and he flies the jet, the band's jet from every stop. Yeah, and it's Every a big tour. jet. It's a jumbo. It's a 757. or Yeah, yeah it's a 757, wow. I think. Is there such thing as a 757? It's 767 yeah. or something like that. Anyways, it's a big it's one. It's called Flight 666, the documentary. It's pretty freaking interesting. But uh, again, they're not... You listen to Run to the Hills. You listen to 666 Numbers, The Beast. You listen to any album they did. They're good. But they ain't G&R good. Four albums. Four albums, and they're doing that. It just blows my mind. Okay, so Caleb, you're drafted in what round out of high school? 38th. 38th, which is... Right in the middle, most years, right? There's usually about, what, no. 60 rounds? No, there's 40 now in MLB draft. Was there 40 the year you got? Yeah. So get, paint this picture for me. You're you're a, you're a left-handed pitcher in the state of Ohio, Ohio yep. Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus. Dap, Columbus, Ohio. You're on a baseball team that's average. Are you a state champion? No, no, not very good. Not very good. Not very good. So are you a big fish in a small pond? Yes. Do you have anybody else on this team that gets drafted this year? No. You're the only one. Okay, so nobody even went to play college. How many cross checkers came to your A lot. My first start there was I uh, 12. Explain I to the audience to what a cross checker is. Uh it's a scout that oversees the less talented scouts, I guess, right? Would that be less a good ex less experience? Less experience. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So you, got, um, you have cross checkers there from day one. From day one, yeah. So you first started so my senior year. The vibe is Caleb's getting is looked at. This guy's good. Yeah. Local papers are writing articles yeah. on you left and yeah. right. Yeah. Is your head getting to grow? Are you growing like, um, an, ego, an ego? Are you starting to? Did you get to that point in your athletic career to where you're walking around campus like the BMOC? Dad never let me. Dad never. So your dad's blue collar just would yes. whip your ass if you got a big. Yeah, my on. dad. If I would like try and talk about how good I was, my dad would tell me to shut up. So at good what, for dad. At good what for point dad, in yeah. the season do you know? Are you told by a team, which is it with the Dodgers that take you? No. So I actually had the least amount of conversations with the Dodgers. I had the most with the Texas Rangers. Cool city. Um, and then yeah, great place to play too. I Played there it. a couple years ago. It was awesome. So yeah, at least amount of conversations with the Dodgers, my, I guess, advisor, agent, whatever you want to call him at the time, not allowed to call him an agent, tells me there's a really good chance, doesn't know which team though, right? So whatever, here we are, we're after my first start, going to the second start, another really good one, a lot of scouts there again, agents there, hey man, you're all you're doing is improving your stock every time you go out. Right? This is your senior year. Though. This is my senior year. Is this year. happening at all in your junior year? Because your junior year. Junior year was all college. All college. All so, college. So you're getting full ride scholarship offers or at least yeah. talks. Did you yeah. go on some recruiting trips? In yeah. This year? So I committed super early to West Virginia. Oh, really? They got a good baseball program there. Uh, It was. Yeah. They I were mean, in the it, College World Series a couple times last five years, right? I honestly I have no yeah, they idea. Have been. They have, I have been. no idea. But good program. So hey, I commit there junior year. 
just I was really over talking to college coaches. I mean, it's a headache. Right. And so then going into senior year, you know, first couple starts go really good. Third start, I tear my elbow. And then I, for whatever reason, there wasn't as many scouts at this one. So agent, advisor, whatever you want to call him at the time, he's there. Hey, I had some uh, scrapes on my arm from sliding. He's like, hey, we're just going to blame it on this for now. Go get an MRI. No, I'm sorry. I got an x-ray to begin with. Why I wasted my time getting that, I have no idea. Might have broke a bone. Yeah, should have never done it. It was right. it was dumb. X-ray shows nothing, of course. It's a freaking ligament, not a bone. Go and get an MRI like two weeks later. Yeah, it's torn. Finished out my high school season playing first base in right field and end up getting drafted in the 38th round. But what was the injury? Did you get Tommy it, John? Did you get the operation? Yeah, oh yeah. In high school. In high school. Okay, so seventeen years old. So you're you're a, a left-handed first baseman. How tall are you? Like six three? Yeah, tall dude, almost as tall as me. So you're <laughs> six three first baseman now, finishing up your career. Fact check. They still. Chad is five eight, nine and a half with <laughs> with heels on, which I might wear tonight. Think about me and heels singing, sweet child of mine. She's got a smile. See, back to your career. You got 38th round draft pick as a pitcher, even though you finish out the season. So they knew they wanted you. Yeah. Does the team know? I mean, obviously. Yeah, they knew I had surgery already. So they know you have. A, so do you first thing you're going to do after you get drafted or before is a physical? Yeah. I mean, there's there wasn't much of a physical to do for me because I was already hurt. So they know 100%. You're torn. You're cut. I was in a brace. You're, yeah. in, a, you're in a brace. They take you in the 38th round. And is it the Dodgers that choose you yep. out of high school? Yep. So you go into the Dodgers. Give me Paint this picture for me now. You're scared as shit. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I could lose no millions of dollars. My Your dad is like, oh, my God, dude. This is my pride and joy. Not that your dad wouldn't care if you were working at, you know, well, I don't know, just any job in the world right now, he'd be proud of you. But I mean, any dad's going to be proud of shit as their son's going to go play professional baseball. Paint the picture for me now. You're coming off of it. It's draft day. Everybody knows that June rolls around. The major league drafts come in. There's going to be several rounds. I thought it was more than 40, but it's not like call, you know, the football draft where you got everybody in a room in New York and the NBA lottery draft. Baseball is, is, it's kind of like the hall of fame, you know, when the baseball player gets a call from the HOF, he's sitting at home with his family. He knows the call might come when the phone rings. He knows it's possibly the hall of fame. Paint that picture. What's your agent telling you? What's going on? So so for me, I honestly thought that I had no chance of getting drafted after I was hurt. I mean, who's going to take the chance on this on this 17-year-old kid that is hurt, right? I mean, nobody nobody's going to take the chance on that. So here I am. I'm in my Tommy John brace, which keeps me locked at 90. It looks like a robo arm. Right. That's what it looks like. I mean, it's just got all kinds of stuff, and it's got a, a – like a wheel looking thing right here with all different measurements and where your arm's going to be locked at. So here I am. First day goes by. I know I'm not getting a call. Second day goes by. It's a three day, it's a three day long thing here. First day goes by. Don't get a call. Second day. Don't get a call. Third day comes up. I'm like, Oh, there's a chance. I'm not paying any attention to it. Sitting with my buddy at the state baseball tournament in Columbus, the state high school baseball tournament in Columbus. And he taps me on my leg and shows me a tweet. And the tweet is that the Dodgers just selected me. Oh, my God. Yeah. How, did that, how did that yeah. feel? Yeah. And and that was incredible. I mean, literally, I never got a call. I never got a text. Never had any heads up to, hey, might want to go get your phone. Keep it. No idea. 
literally we're sitting there, we're watching a game and he taps me on my leg and says, look at this tweet. So literally, as soon as he shows me that tweet, like two minutes after that, my phone just goes crazy. I mean, I got everybody from the Dodgers calling me. I mean, I had no idea. I literally thought I wasn't getting drafted. I had my stuff ready to go to West Virginia. Yeah. And then they call and they're like, hey, we're flying you out. And well, I can't remember how many days, a week, whatever. I don't, I don't remember how many days it was, but yeah, here's your flight. You're coming out here. You're doing your rehab. Better get ready to move to Arizona. Man, they must have had some confidence in your talent to to invest in you when you were when you were all, by all rights broken. Yeah, like why? Absolutely. You know, so they must have had some serious confidence. In yeah, your talent. and and you look at the draft now, and to draft a guy that's hurt now is yeah, and and it's how, common. I mean, well, there's, how, there's how long guys was the recovery? Fourteen, anywhere from fourteen to sixteen months, probably now. I can't I can't remember in, in pinpointed time of exactly how long it took me to recover, but Well, how long was it before back in the the old days of surgery? Because uh, that fourteen I mean, months way back then I bet I'll bet they probably did it in a year. Fourteen months though, it seems like a long time to recover when you thought it would be faster yeah, than but the they old just days. Slow play everything now with it. They slow play oh, yeah. just so it never happens again. Yeah. Cause they say now, like studies and, and everything now, I think it's it's like, I want to say eight months, nine months before it's considered like a ligament again, mm. like before everything is like ready, right? And then at that time, like your first couple weeks of throwing, you're throwing a tennis ball. Like you just, I would throw it from the the door right here to the to the other door on the other side of the room. I mean, it's not it's not very far, and you do that for two or three weeks it's mentally though it doesn't matter how it's when you're first get going back and you're like all right i'm going into pitch that next game or in your rehab assignment or whatever it is mentally you're just like oh god oh my please, gosh it please. was Still I mean, probably it, to this it day. took me it took me a long time to get over the thought of that now i'm just like well i guess if it goes it goes yeah but, you're not gonna stop it you no, know but the surgeries, the you know, the way that they perform the Tommy John surgery, obviously it's a lot more advanced than it was. And the Dodgers aren't I, I, I believe the Dodgers at one time had the best surgeon in the world. What's his name? Doctor Elitrach. Who? Elitrach? Is that's our team doctor. For years, if you look it up, Dr. James Andrews. Andrews. If you look up that name, he was the best He's, yeah, he, orthopedic like, surgeon freaking for years. I almost, remember I I wanna say he came out with the surgery, I think. I think I think that yeah, Doctor trained J, with the guy that came out with it or something, something He's, like that. Yeah. But but a lot of different surgeries. He was the man, Doctor James Andrews. Yep. Um, anyway, you 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 get drafted now. The Dodgers call you, tweet whatever it is. You're going to the Dodgers. You're ready to go to West Virginia. Go to D1, play college baseball in the NCAA, and you. Report where? Where does the guy do? You got to go to rookie ball, right? Here. No, no. So I can't. You come here. straight to spring training because the spring no, training has already started. So there's an Arizona spring, League team. Arizona League team. Okay. Yeah. So the Arizona League's going on, and I come out here. I walk in, and everybody's like, "Who is this kid that we just drafted?" And he's in a Tommy John brace. Who is this? Yeah. Right. Coach's son. Yeah. <laughs> so I walk over, uh, you know, I walk into the training and walk into the weight room and here our trainers and our strength coaches are looking at me like, this is what we drafted. Like me, right? Like that's, it's literally, they, they told me that a couple years ago. I said, what'd you guys think when I walked in the room? And they said, 
that's what we decided to pick in the 38th <laughs> round. <laughs> so so it's it's kind of funny to like look back at that, but yeah, I report here. I'm, I'm we're out in Glendale and I report there and here I am 17 years old and there's three different languages being spoken at Clubhouse and I have no idea where I'm going. And you're figured out. So you got all you got all these different guys in there. They're looking at you like who it looks like a Lenny of mice and man just walk in there just like you probably look like Fedor, you know, yeah. fire, you're in a museum just looking around like, oh my God. Like right. I can't imagine like just the and the financial part of it is you get a signing bonus and you get, you know, at that round, you probably don't get much. Nope. It might be coming out here on a whim, like if I do it, I don't. And now you're in the majors. You're fighting for a roster spot at yeah. 23 years old in the majors. Did you love the journey? Is the minor leagues? I understand the bus rides or the plane yeah. rides and the hotels, and it's a grind. It's it's, it's a long season. Hard. But did you enjoy it? Are you glad that you went through it? Even if you don't ever play a game in the majors, was it worth it being a part of that for a few years? I would say yes. I mean, you learn a lot of like, especially being a high school guy. I had no idea how to live on my own. No idea, right? Everything. I I mean, I lived at home with my parents all the way up until. Yesterday. This past off season, whenever I decided to buy a house, but like you learn how to live on your own and you, it forces you to grow up. It really does. And like, if I wouldn't have done that, who knows what I would be doing? Cause I don't like school. I wasn't going to West Virginia to get a degree. I was going to play baseball. Yeah. So who knows where I would be if I hadn't got drafted, hadn't had to grow up quicker than so there's no every other 17 year old there's, there's no plan b for you this is yeah baseball's, i had i didn't have plan what is plan b then if you i would be a firefighter is what i would be. you'd go back right now if somebody came here and said you're done the coronavirus has canceled baseball yeah for the i would rest go to columbus existence. and i'd be a firefighter really yep wow. dad uncles brother best friend that's cool there's another guy from ohio that's a firefighter that's the world heavyweight heavyweight world champion the steve amiocic yeah, he's a firefighter. I don't know if he still fights fires. He'd be crazy if he did. I think he does, actually. I, well, for a few years after he was champion, before Cormier beat him, he was still fighting fires. He puts this bunch of stuff on Instagram of him being at the firehouse. So I'm sure he's still there. I just don't know if he'd be go climbing ladders or saving a cat out of a tree when there's that much money on the well, line. Well, the UFC's got all those regulations and stuff, right, after a fight? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know who he's going to fight next, but I hope it's John Jones. Think about that fight, man. I, I think DC's they're they're going for the, the no. That I can't hate that. Happen. You don't that, think so? God. He'll destroy DC again. And DC says that's his last fight. But anyway, so you get you have a. We'll talk about fighting on your podcast, John. Quit getting all sulky and shit. <laughs> all he cares about is fighting. Just get, right? just get fired up when you start talking about DC. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know, the un understanding the minor league game and going through that is one thing. And, 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 and the opportunity to do that, you can't take it for granted. Uh, many baseball players, think about all the kids signing up for T-ball right now or all the guys that just made the varsity team as a junior or senior at their, you know, their respected high schools. That's the end game, man. Everybody wants to be a major leaguer. Right. Everybody did since the beginning of baseball tie. Who was it, who was it invented by? Baseball? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I don't even know that. Abner Doubleday? think james naismith invented basketball football was invented by bo jackson <laughs> abner doubleday invented baseball though um if you think about 
everybody that's wanted to be a major leaguer and what that means. Everybody, I mean, every parent thinks their kid's a major leaguer. Uh, yeah. Bryce Harper let, dropped out of high school and had to get his GED to go and, you know, to be eligible for the major league draft. He was playing 160 games a year as like a 14 year old dude. Crazy, Crazy. numbers. And it, it paid off. Paid off. The guy's a stud. I mean, you could. He's not Mike Trout, but he's signed a big contract, right? He did it, right? I don't. I know you. I don't want you to voice your opinion for him or tell us what you're going to throw high heat when you face him. He's a respectful baseball player. He's a yeah. stud. When he was playing in Reno, when he was in played at Southern Nevada Community College, he came to Western Nevada Community College in Carson. And my buddy DJ Whittemore, who you all know that name, um, or he knows that name. You know that name, right? The Whittemores? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Bryce was a catcher at that time. He threw two guys out that day from his knees. Oh, yeah. I was like, this dude is. The and then he'd get up there, and it was a wood bat league. That 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 junior college league's wood bat, and he was just hitting lasers. And anyway, that any every kid that plays baseball wants to be a pro baseball player. So don't, you know, obviously you, you know that you hold that sacred. Like, you do, you know you would go back and be a firefighter, but you're getting ready to have the opportunity to be a world series champion this year right right the dodgers have a you guys have a stud yeah you're squad. in the running for it every single every year, year. you guys win the nl west every yeah, year you know like year. i think seven in a row i think it's amazing well yeah because the giants were in the series against the no because the giants were in the world series in 15 against the royals but he, i don't think they won the division that year though yeah i think the dodgers had still won did the giants win a wild card the royals won the wild card that year in 14 the giants beat the royals the royals beat who'd the royals beat in 15 to win the world series god our, our, this sucks we need somebody on a computer card was it the cardinals no it wasn't no. an interstate it wasn't an interstate oh no yeah that one come on mets so they beat the mets in 2015 uh, yeah. anyway you think you think about what you're getting ready to experience at 23 years old, dude, you're sitting here. Well, before today started with the coronavirus or happened when spring training got canceled. I don't know of a cooler lifestyle, man. Everybody's like, well, PGA golf would be pretty. Yeah, yeah but you got to golf. <laughs> golf sucks yeah it's too hard like i know we've been saying how good of athletes but uh, there's another sport if you look at baseball players golfing at spring training you think they're all in the pga yeah there's a lot of scratch golfers a lot a lot a lot and yeah. even like guys that have been retired and they're in their 60s now are just george charlie brett, huff george brett won his club tournament last year in kansas city He's a scratch golfer. He's a stud. Like, I don't know if you remember Charlie. Charlie Huff, Texas Rangers yeah. pitcher, knuckleballer, knuckleballer. Guy can barely walk, but he'll go out and shoot scratch. It's incredible. Just athletes, athletes. It's God, incredible. I don't know how many times we're going to prove our point. Anyway, you think about the greatest life in the world. You're getting ready to have that opportunity to do it. And kudos to you. It's freaking awesome, and to stay humble like you are, and to love the outdoors and hunting and fishing. And you're probably not in the right city to say that you do love that kind of lifestyle. No. But I mean, a little bit further north is probably worse in the Bay Area. Yeah, I, know I, I can remember my first off season after getting called up. So you know your social media and all that stuff, right? And I love posting hunting pictures. And I remember going in the off season, I posted my first hunting picture back home and it like blew up on you. I mean, it was like your agents probably like, whoa, bad. My, whoa. yeah. You know, my agents like, man, these people Isn't that are crazy. Sad? Isn't and I'm that like, sad? golly, man. And then like, it, I mean, it's just, well, it's I every mean, you post it now and you're getting pictures of, well, you don't need that stuff, which I do. 
and 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 it's murderer killer yeah yeah like killing a killing a a harmless animal is cruel and you're doing that just for fun you don't ever eat it and it's like it sucks our societies like that you guys live in california man if you're if you're uh what's that blonde comedian's name i can't stand her and i hope people hear me say this i can't stand her what's her name uh, not chelsea hammer the other oh, one I thought it was chelsea the hammer. chubby one that was oh, in amy the schumer mo- yes amy yeah i can't stand her like i'm not wishing anything bad on her but i can't stand her you won a third place or something in a comedic talent show you were on the howard stern show you got heard by judd apatow he puts you in a movie with lebron james and bill H- Hader named train wreck and then you're going to go on a podium and say that all of our guns need to be taken away yeah shut up and make me laugh nobody cares what you think and that's really my opinion now look at now i sound like i'm on a soapbox but i don't get up there and go amy schumer shouldn't be allowed to make the money she makes just for being a third-rate comedian I don't do that. So don't get up there and say the things that you say about this lifestyle. People that get hunt and fish should be able to celebrate that. Not by showing, look how bloody this coyote is I shot. Or look how many ducks I killed this year on the back tailgate of my truck. It's not about that. Yeah. But I know a lot of celebrities that hunt that are going through the same thing that don't post pictures because they got to ride that fence. They got to ride that line. They got to sit on that fence and go, well, I got to have my fans that don't like it. And I got to have my fans that do like it. Nobody can just be like, so what? He's a hunter. He lives off the land. He's a provider. They're worried about it. So they back off. Your agent says back yeah, off. My, of, my of whole thing who you is are. like, you know, you just went and ate a piece of chicken for dinner. Yeah. And Where not, do you think that that's probably worse than how I'm doing from a, it. that was raised in a farm and treated yeah. cruelly? I dare yeah. you. What I you're dare eating you. is worse than what how I I'm, dare you go. Than how I'm I doing. dare you to go see how chickens are treated at a plant. Right. That's or, that's what I want to say. Go back. see how they kill a cow that you just bought at Costco right. on your tri tip the other night. Well, anybody who hasn't hunted, what they don't understand is the years of legacy that comes down through a family. You know, the grandfather teaching the father and the father teaching the son how you hunt, how you do it the correct way, the right way. We're not out there just blowing shit up. No. You know, that's not how it's done. And if you do, then you shouldn't be a hunter. You, you shouldn't get out be, of it. You should be a hunter. Good for it. No, right. exactly. Be a, be a good steward of the, of the lifestyle yeah, and the but, culture. But when and it's that, done the right way. And the way. privilege, because it's a, I say it every podcast, it's a privilege. We're not guaranteed. It's going to be some dipshit redneck hunter. Not, we're all rednecks. It's going to be one of us that gets it taken away by disrespecting the resource. And we got to be careful of that and keen to that. And just what you're saying, John, is that we got to be good stewards of it. But don't come down on us and don't tell somebody that has been generational hunter, not don't don't show who you are. Yeah. Hide it. Yeah. Stay right. in the closet. You're a closeted hunter. Don't come out of the closet. So, if you come out of that closet and you're wearing camo, you're going to be chastised. You're never going to be allowed to marry the person that you want to marry. Sound familiar? It's like you can't even be who you are. And I'm not trying to say that hunters have faced the same adversities as of, of the homosexual community. I got nothing but respect for the for homosexuals. I'm just saying that respect what we do too. Right. We're not out there trying to say that we're better than anybody. Yeah, we have multiple guys in our clubhouse who love to hunt, own land, and hunt on their own land, and can't say refuse word about to it. post or talk about any of it. It's yep. crazy. It's crazy, and it's it sucks. It really does it's, because. You post one thing and it's it's like... Could you imagine being a stud baseball player and you have, a let's say, Instagram in today's world of social media, instant gratification, and your son goes out on the first duck hunt and gets his first mallard or pintail or whatever, and he's holding it up and your waiters and you're all smiles. 
father and son and you can't do like if it's just a barbecue and you're playing frisbee and he catches his first frisbee and it doesn't go off his forehead and you take a picture like look he caught his first frisbee yeah. everybody's like oh that's so cute but if the kid's holding the dead duck they're like that's the next school shooter that's right. the next my right. nephew got called my brother posted a picture of our nephew with his first coyote and a, a person wrote in and said way to go congratulations you're raising the next mass shooter that's so ignorant. Can you that's believe so that? Yeah, it's incredible. Like that was said. That's 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 a that's a fact, not just my opinion. That's a fact that that was said. That's, that's crazy. The exact right? opposite of what it actually is. You 100%. know, that, that kid is learning respect and and how to handle it properly. And it's just so sad that it, that everybody in the society they can be proud of what they do. You can be proud to be whatever you are, and that's like the new thing: being politically correct. Everybody can be proud of everything. How come we can't be proud of being hunters? Can't, it sucks. It's, it's, you it's can unfair. Be, you can be proud to be of a different race, of a different lifestyle choice, of a different political background, anything. Stand up. Let's go march on Washington. Let's have a parade. Let's have a day dedicated to this. As soon as you say that you kill animals and to eat them, you're literally looked at as Satan. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Unless you're a vegan or a vegetarian. And here's the deal. And about it's the basic circle of life. Everything comes with a price. Now, my buddy, Remy Warren, who's your buddy, he couldn't say it any better. Vegetarians are eating vegetables that millions of rodents were destroyed to harvest. Think about that. Every time that tractor goes over that field or that combine or that thatch or whatever it is, it is smoking rabbits and, and rats and, and all of these different animals, squirrels that live in burrows and everything. And those vegetable eaters are just stuffing carrots in their mouth and zucchini and mm -hmm. cucumbers like they're going out of style. Oh, we have every right in the world. And I'm like, you know how many animals died of, for, for you unless it's some organic garden in Portland that's in a little brown, you know, two by four box that they have on the back deck. I get that. But most vegetables aren't raised that way. Everything comes at a price. Everything is dying for and, a price. And, and I don't right. know why people are so eager to change the natural order of the of the world. I, I don't get it. Like the earth has a natural order, you know, like lions and hyenas and, and hippos and zebras and whatever. There's a natural order to what eats what and how it's done. And why are people so eager to change that natural order? Why, what's wrong with the natural order that's been ignorance. built over billions ignorance. of years? It's science. Uneducation and ignorance. It's, it's science. It's, it's, it's billions of years of evolution. And why, why do we want to change that? What is wrong with the natural order? Same reason why they're going to keep order. Barry Bonds out of the Hall of Fame, which is, gonna, <laughs> which is going to get us back to baseball because we're going to have another conversation tomorrow with Caleb on the Foul Life podcast regarding hunting. But I interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial break brought to you by our friends at Jack Link's Protein Snacks. I want to talk to you guys about a beef strip. John, you see this? Yes. What does that say? Sweet habanero, baby. Have you had this yet? And I'm not kidding you. No, 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 no. But I'm actually salivating. These Let's are open that up. These and get are that just, over here. these are just released. I got to figure out how to. Uh, these are just released from Jack Links. Okay. Now I want you guys both to try a piece of this. This is a sweet habanero beef strip. And you tell me you don't want a ton of these in the clubhouse. I'm talking like gourmet filet mignon. Check that out. Ooh, that's, that's yeah. Damn. You do. That's damn is that good. good or what? You do. That's damn good. Is that? It's got, a, it's got a nice beef jerky taste in the front, and then that fire sneaks up mm -hmm. on you. Mm, that's good. Oh, dude, that sounded like you're on a cooking show, Rachel. Rachel, out of there. <laughs> but that beef strip, 100% beef, sweet habanero. Like, I could talk about how good. This right here, sweet and hot, this bag of sweet and hot jerky. 
Unreal. And now they got the new cold craft. Have you had the cold crab? I have. My son loves them. He makes me he makes me stock them up and Sorry put them in the this. fridge so he can take them to school. This shit's burning my mouth. Yeah. No. <laughs> my, my son absolutely loves those. He puts them in his lunch and makes me buy Dude, them for him. Next time you come out, they just sent us some of the new ones. They got have you had seen the linkages? The rounds? They're no. it's called a linkage. And Caleb, it's a link, it's a two pieces of cheese. You got cheddar, sharp, or pepper jack with salami genoa salami in between it so there's no carbs troy's mission the ceo buddy of ours troy link his mission is to provide high protein pro snacks you know to to get people through their day and this dude this cold craft is affordable and it is so freaking tasty like the best refrigerated snacks and, you'll have jerky wise and what's the point of going cold craft is that just because they can eliminate the amount of preservatives or what why are not, they going cold not, craft not, the reason they are is because it gives somebody the ability is this is looked at as you know a snack that's going to stay in your truck for a while or what you know last a couple of days this is looked at like a meal replacement this is something that people are going into a 7-Eleven or an AMPM or a Casey's or something, and they're going to the refrigerated section. You got sandwiches, you got hard-boiled eggs, you got burritos over here that you can put in the microwave and warm up, but they're grabbing these these meat sticks and these linkages, and I'm talking like dead-on taste. Troy's kicking ass with it. I'm telling you, if you're, I know Dom, you said Dominic eats it, but you need to be eating it, dude. You could afford a couple LBs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a little down, so... Anyway, that commercial break was bought, brought to you by Jack Links. And I want to talk just a minute about Jack Links and what we just talked about with Caleb's lifestyle as far as being a hunter. Jack Links supports the outdoors and not just hunting, but conservation. First and foremost, conservation. And that is what we love to have in our partnerships with companies and brands like Jack Links is their mission to improve habitat, conservation, farming, sustainability. So next time you have a choice for jerky, the next time that you have a choice for cold snacks and you're at your local Walmart or your local supermarket or your local mini mart, think about going with Jack Links not only because of the flavor, the quality, but because of what they believe in and the stance that they take when it comes to conservation, hunting, fishing, the outdoors, farming, and the support that they give it all. So I want to start talking a little bit more about Caleb's career. You know, and John, I'm going to ask you this first is you were early in mixed martial arts. You came in early. Does it mess with your mind today? And I know you're a hard worker. You're very successful. You have a lovely family. But does it ever mess with you, your psyche, your mental stability of what if? What if I would have come up a little later? What if I wasn't in my 50s now? What are you, 54? <laughs> I'm 44. Thanks, Does it so ever much, mess with you, though? Like, man, I could have been a UFC champion. I mean, yeah, you yeah, were on yeah. the U.S. fight team for a long time. You were yeah. you were the leader of it for a long time. Does it ever mess with you? Yeah, I was in the number one seat on the U.S. team for 13 years, and, and I made the choice at the end of that career with the U.S. team. I could have either gone pro and chased the UFC career or retire and chase a professional career in construction, which is what I did. And um, I made that choice to to chase the construction career and leave fighting behind. And yeah, it, it, it messes with me a little bit because, you, you know, you you want I Some part of me wanted to go into the UFC and, and test my skills against uh, the, the greatest the greatest show on earth. You know, it's like uh, going to the getting called up to the majors. You know, it was my it was my time. I stepped up to the plate and it was OK, either go pro or or call it quits and at that point i had fought so much 
And I just felt like I was done. And I really felt like I had a service to my family because I was so young and I had already married, already had a daughter. And I felt like the the financial security of my family depended on me being having solid rooted grounds. And so I, I chose the career path. And that hurts a man's pride. That hurts a man's ego. Because I know, I know that if I had gone to the UFC, I would have been one of the premier names in the UFC. I'd know that in my heart. And maybe that's arrogance talking. Maybe that's ego talking. But that's the kind of confidence you have to have in yourself as an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Every athlete has to. you got to be arrogant at some level because you have to believe. If you don't believe that you're that good, you, you can't stand in in that in the face of that that uh, that trial that tribulation of 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 fighting of of being out there grinding it out every day if Those you don't believe wild, if you don't believe man. you're good enough then why are you there like, so well that sport man you're gonna so get your I, ass yeah. whipped if you don't yeah right? yeah so I really yeah, it's, I it's, yeah I wanted to prove myself I really did but you know I, I've come to terms with it now and 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 uh, I, I've made that separation but yeah it was a painful separation it I can imagine it's like when I see a a baseball bat i think man i could still do it which i can't i mean i could hit a t-ball off a tee <laughs> kind of but i i mean you go you you really hate it it's just like damn it man damn it why didn't i get one ab in the majors why didn't i get one round in the ufc you know it's like it's so hard i think and you see it a lot even in retirement of professional athletes of the ability to let go and and not come back for a comeback fight. You know, even Floyd Mayweather, I thought at 49 and 0, he, Junior was going to stop and respect Rocky Marciano's legacy of, hey, I'll tie him, but I ain't going to beat him. And then the money got too great for McGregor and he did it and he's 50 and 0 now. But it's going to happen again. Too. It's probably going to happen again. But anyway, that you think about like, it's hard to let go. Matt Hughes, Dan Henderson, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, these fighters all come back late in. Hendo never came out of retirement. He fought until he was 45 just because he could. Ken and Shamrock looking. Ken he's Shamrock, still he's still trying to fight trying. his 50s. Bare yeah. knuckles, I think. Yeah. So it's almost like a crazy way that you're wired as an athlete that you don't want to let go of it. You see baseball coaches that played their whole career and then they go into the minors and then they become a major league manager and they could steal ball. They well, still. They, uh, Yo Romero, right? That guy's. 42 two? yeah and he's just a fought last week uh, like, he didn't really fight yeah yeah but i mean he stepped in the the octagon well, oh he did no he's a stud dude the things that, that dude he was a bronze medalist or a gold medalist in wrestling bronze i think but he can do backflips he's a stud he's yeah, he's a weird incredible. athlete but all i'm saying is that it's just hard to let go and that's where my point is with you caleb is like oh, i'll just go back and be a firefighter no you wouldn't you'd be like son of a bitch just enjoy this, dude. This is like the, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You're prepared for it. You're yeah. a stud athlete, but man, like just the envy I have to just step in those shoes one time when I get to take BP on a major league field or in a batting cage and all those, all those big leaguers are watching me and I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> see that? And they're like, yeah. And then they're just like, Hey, cut one off for him. And then I look like an idiot swinging for, we wear caps and sleeves at this level. son. I don't know what league you've been playing in California penal. What movie, John? God dang it. I messed Come on. Up. I thought y'all were major league fans. <laughs> no, I, Charlie Sheen, major league. Oh, isn't it awesome? Anyway, dude, I just think that it's awesome that you are. I want to do, I want to have part two of this tomorrow. We're going to do a few of them this week since you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to do part two tomorrow and I want to get into some things. I want to get into the science of baseball. I want to get into the mental approach. I want to get into 
you know, what are you doing on the mound? What is rosin? What do you do with your foot? Why are you on the left side of the rubber, the right side or in the middle? What does it mean to be out of the stretch or out of the windup? What is everything that goes in? It's a thinking man's game. It's a lot of mistakes can be made. The less, the more that you, you know, they say there's a five, a five tool player pitchers, some of them are five tool players, but a big thing with pitching is the mental approach and the intelligence. One of the yeah. five tools is the intelligence of the game. I want to get into that. I want to know what you're thinking at a major league level. When you put that glove on, are you, who are you with? You're Mizuno, you Rawlings, what kind Easton. of glove? You're an Eastman glove. Oh, really? Yeah. Easton glove. Yep. Hmm. They, they've really stepped their game up. There's a lot of guys actually. Too. I'd like to get a signed one. If you have an extra. I do. I'd like to get a signed glove, a signed ball, a signed bat and a signed jock. I mean, a signed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> A, a signed, I don't have a, jockster, a signed jersey. I, I guess I can a, ask for one. A signed jersey. <laughs> anyway, I just want to get into you. Got a guy up there that is on a on a on a heater, man. He's just on one. He's not in a slump at all. He's been going two for four, three for four every game. Yep. What is your approach? Are you defeated already? You don't want to leave the ball out of the, over the plate. What are the? I want to get into what you are on the mental side of baseball because everybody knows you now. You're six three and you throw. You got a good arm. Yep. You know, even after surgery, you're winging it. You're a major league pitcher from the left side i want to get into all of that i want to talk about baseball we talked a lot today about a lot of different shit i want to get into baseball for the guys out there that love to hear about baseball i, I have a huge passion for it yeah. and i think you know on this life ain't for everybody i want to talk about things that apply to everyday life and how you take that visualization and those skills and that mental approach and that platform that mental stability and how do you come back from getting a 440 foot bomb hit off of you for three runs to yeah. win the game when you're a pitcher how does clayton kershaw come back from being considered one of the best in the game to getting lit up in the playoffs the mental part of this game everybody can be like oh shit he's making 20 million a year it doesn't matter it messes with your mind and your psyche to just like what john was just talking about it yep. screws with you no matter who you are Trout, the best player in the game, if he goes up when it's on the line and he strikes out, he's feeling that over and right. over. The best players let it go. They get back in there and they make up for it, right? We'll talk about all that. Caleb Ferguson, Los Angeles Dodgers, John Kerry, U.S. fight team. He wears a medium shirt in case anybody <laughs> wants to send John Kerry some shirts. Just call and ask for his son, Dominic's side, and then send two of them. He'll wear them. He has huge guns, huge biceps, huge. John, flex your arms into the microphone so people can hear what it sounds like. <laughs> this has been another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody. Thank you guys so much. Stay tuned for Caleb Ferguson Part 2. And then check out our sister podcast, The Foul Life, as we talk to Caleb about his love and passion for the outdoors conservation duck hunting fishing living off the land using his traeger grill to cook up a duck breast we're gonna do it all tom hit that button this song is called what you gonna do when the money's all gone it was written by leith lofton and our good buddy drake white this version right here is performed by leith lofton his new album taking on water is available right now on all of your music platforms thank you all so much we're all equal, that's what I think I don't believe heaven has a bank Make good use of your time on earth And don't make a dollar bill all this worth Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. 
Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone